The opinions expressed on the Joy Has Questions podcast are honest and based on the personal and professional experiences of myself and that of my guests. Therefore, I choose to share my experiences on my platform and it doesn't reflect the viewpoint of any corporation and or business entity. Woo! All righty. Now that we got that out the way, let's get on to the show. Hey everybody, it's your girl Joy has questions coming in hot for season three and starting off with You Better Know. Now for this season, I really wanted to highlight platforms that I think do an amazing job of already highlighting Black history. And so one such space is literally on Instagram. It's called Black History, one of my favorite pages. So what I found was that in Christmas 1951, Harry and Harriet Moore were killed on their 25th wedding anniversary, their actual silver anniversary. So what was it that led to this couple being targeted and murdered in their own home? This was because they were really known as being civil rights leaders in their specific town in Florida. So in 1934, they established the first Brevard County branch of the NAACP. They also filed lawsuits to gain equal pay for Black teachers. On top of it, they helped thousands of Black voters get registered in the state. And on top of it, they helped for a number of lynchings to be investigated, not only within Florida, but just throughout the South period. So this led to a lot of attention, clearly a lot of overt racism, and the KKK definitely put a hit out on them. So what happened was fast forward to 2006, with the attorney general reopening the case, it was determined that four KKK members Earl Crooklyn, Tillman H. Belvin, Joseph Neville Cox, and Edward L. Spivy were responsible for the bomb that was put under the foundation of the home. Now, unfortunately, all four of these men were already deceased at the time of this being made public knowledge, so they were able to escape justice. I do not want, though, the focus of the story to be on these horrible murderers. Rather, I want the focus on the story to be on the Moors and how they literally gave their lives to the community, to help empower the community, to educate the community, and to ensure that Blackness was not continually dehumanized within Florida. So this is what I want us to focus on when we think about freedom fighters and change agents and the type of people that we come from. All righty, moving on to the next segment, but definitely just wanted to make sure you better know. Hey, everybody. So, you know, if there is one building on planet Earth that I go up for, it is the National Museum of African-American History and Culture, a.k.a. the Black Smithsonian. So I didn't need another reason to love this building, but now they done messed around and made the entire thing digital. So when I'm telling you I am running through this website right now like Lieutenant Uhura from Star Trek, it is not a game, people. They have activity book lists for the babies with affirmations, an entire race web portal for those hard but necessary conversations, and the exhibits are digital as well. So if you want to just take a little deep download, educate yourself, have a good time learning amazing Black history facts, this is the time to do it. Tell them Joy has questions sent you, and now let's get on to the rest of the show. Everybody, it is your girl Joy has questions. I am back. I have really, really had time to like just sit back and think and be like, okay, are we about to do this? And there is no one else that I wanted to be the first guest for season three as I'm coming back from hiatus that misses 
Amber Marine Green herself. So hi, love. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ashe. Thank you. Oh, girl, don't hit me with the ancestral language. <laughs> you know, that's like, don't make me cry. <laughs> but no, I'm super excited to have you here. We are going to jump right into it. Like, I know you and love you and everything that you do for the community and the culture. But I want you to tell the people, like, what is it if you had to define yourself? And I know how you are super sought after, booked and busy. But how would you decide, define like what it is that you do? I consider myself um, a digital storyteller. <laughs> a digital storyteller. I, I think I've been gifted the responsibility to capture everyday people and lives through my camera. Um, I, I, I love people. I'm one of those. I love to go to mom and pop shops or cafes outdoors and people watch, you know, and just, I wonder where she's going. I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder why he's moving so aggressively. I wonder what just happened. I wonder why she's a bad. I wonder everybody has a story and maybe because I'm just nosy, but I love telling people stories. They're true, authentic story. I completely understand that, especially um, many a days I would like run into you and sip and saver. Shout out to us. Hey, but I would like run into sip and saver. Just be like, hey, girl. And we literally be sitting there like people watching getting work done. So I completely yes. can attest to see you in the action doing that. Yeah. Um, so when you're talking about how you developed your love of being this digital storyteller, of being, you know, one of the most sought after photographers in the city. What was it that really helped you develop your creative eye or start that path, start you down that, that road, if you will? It's very interesting. So in another lifetime, I uh, worked in the dental field like for 15 years. My mother was the office manager of a dental office. So I remember just growing up when my mother had to take me to work with her. I'm under the office, like under the desk, but I end up becoming an uh, um, on-training dental assistant, like literally the irony, because I just had dental work done, um, you know, assisting with the oral surgeon and extractions and fill-ins and root canals to running um, a dental office. I was the office manager. But even at that moment, I wasn't content. And one day, um, the office that I was very comfortable at, I was comfortable making $16 an hour. This was eight years ago. $16. Oh, that was a thing. Yeah, I, that was a thing to be had. So I was comfortable. I had a young son. My son um, was very young. And then the, the office, the, the dentist sold the practice. Mm -hmm. And because I was the highest paid in the office, that I remember they came and just cut my hours just in half. And so I'm, imagine I'm checking in patients and I'm fighting back tears. And this is what changed my trajectory. I heard the men. It was men that the, their race was white, Asian, and Indian. Mm -hmm. And I heard them in the back. And here I am fighting back tears like, oh my God, how am I going to take care of my son? How am I going to pay my rent? I'm a single mom. I'm hearing them laughing, joking about what they're going to wear to Lollapalooza. The triggers. You about to sit here and throw all the toothpaste <laughs> in the air and be like, I hate everyone. <laughs> and be like, girl, it's a regular Friday. <laughs> and so here I am, scared about my livelihood. And they're thinking about what they're going to wear to Lollapalooza. And if that doesn't paint a picture of how I decide, I didn't know how at that moment, I was never going to put my destiny in another person's hands. 
I don't know how. And I remember going home crying and I saw a, a Kodak commercial. Then that oh, that was Kodak. I saw a Kodak commercial. And I'm like, I always had a love for photography. You know, wow, maybe I should go for it. So I just started Googling classes for um, digital photography. All I still had to work. All the classes were smack dab in the middle of the day. And so, excuse if you hear noises, I have two cats. Um, oh, you're fine. Okay. And so I took a leap of faith. I found, I went to a pawn shop. I saw a camera I wanted and I used my rent money Whoa. to buy a used camera. And, and I, I remember my mom cussed me out because of course I had to borrow the rent money, but because of YouTube university, because, mm-hmm. because I couldn't go to class and that camera, I just started going around taking photos, just teaching myself. Do you remember, do you know that Facebook page, uh, Humans of New York? Humans yes. I was. I saw some of the best stories of it. Like who was uh, the stripper who like yes. had lived a thousand lives? Yes. So I was already inspired by them. So then I started going around taking pictures of homeless people. I don't know how I was just going around taking pictures and I met this homeless guy and I took his photo and I just asked him like, you know, what happened? And he started telling me a story. And so I started transcribing it. So then I created a Facebook page called Chicago Souls. So then I started intentionally going, taking photos of homeless people and transcribing their stories, inspired by humans of New York. And then, but people who started following my page realized whatever preconceived notion they had of homeless people was false. A lot of people were homeless due to uh, gentrification, uh, war veterans, uh, not getting the proper resources, health institutions being uh, demolished, domestic violence victims. Like it was alcoholism across the board. Every story wasn't the same. Exactly. And And I think not even to cut you off, but I think you just hit Mm -hmm. on two really important things. Like you didn't walk out your house and say, I want to take a picture of me giving a homeless person a sandwich. You know, it wasn't something where you were doing it for your own gratification or to make someone look like, you know, someone that is is almost like in a zoo like setting it's like why are you like taking pictures and they're kind of in a low moment but you were bringing back their humanity mm-hmm. and attaching the story to show like or to destigmatize the fact look people didn't just walk out their house one day and say f this i'm never paying another bill again like mm-hmm. everyone's story is different in terms of the peaks and valleys that happen in their life so i completely commend you for highlighting that and and for literally walking by faith because a lot of people will just say like oh you know god's gonna work it out for me when you take that rent check that's a different type of no i'm gonna make it come hell or high water think about it i don't see my mother i have a kid i, I don't and i still don't even know what was going on through my head but i took my rent money sis like my took put risk me and my son's livelihood um but i just you invested I, yeah, I just heard livelihood. I heard like I was I heard I was I was put on this earth to do more. I just heard it and it wouldn't go away. Um, you know, I mean, if we don't get- see the benefits though of it, like that's to see <laughs> literally the progression of how you have, you know, kept investing in yourself and kept betting on yourself. And I think that is the reason why you're rewarded and why people respect you so much and want to interact with you because people have seen that journey, you know, and the fact of like, you go at it with such like a pure heart. And that that's literally one of the things that even I wanted to touch on just 
we all know 2020, like I'm gonna be sitting there in the rocking chair if climate control ain't, you know, got us first. Cause I heard it ain't even snowed in Chicago yet. I'm like, oh, okay. Actually 60 some degrees yesterday. I'm kind of scared. I'm, I'm kind of scared what like, what we're about to embark on for January, February. 60 degrees in Chicago? In December. Oh, that's shorts weather to be running on the lakefront. <laughs> like that. white people love doing that like baseball cab with the sandals saw, and the shots i saw shorts and the windbreaker like, <laughs> i'm like you ain't scared of nothing okay but no getting back to you so looking at the fact of how yes 2020 took us to the tip top of insanity like none of us have experienced what it is to continuously be in a pandemic uh, a worldwide pandemic like this, which, I mean, the Omicron, the variant is like giving Delta a run for her money. It's like every new day is a new, a new variant. But on top of that, people were making critical decisions of like, do I go outside and now also partake in, you know, raising hell as we should based on the continued dehumanization of Black bodies, you know? And it, it wasn't even just a thing of like, oh, there's George Floyd. Those were the ones we knew about because Lord knows the ones that haven't still been brought, you know, to everyone's attention. So you had like literally this like mountaintop of like, if it's not hitting us from one way, it's hitting us from another. And I remember seeing you like just being out there in the streets and, and photographing what was happening in the protests and people coming together to raise their voice. And this picture that I looked up one day and I was like, man, this is like one of the most iconic and impactful pictures I've ever seen. And then I looked up and it was everywhere. Like it was completely picked up by like national, international news um, medias. But a year later, what does that image, you know, of that black mother with her, her baby, her infant son, like this, he had to be no more than like a year, I, I presume. Yeah, a year old. So yeah. What does that do? for you like a year later, like reflecting and looking back on just the impact of that? I, that's not to make me tear up. Because I was in the community. You mentioned Sip and Saber, right? Mm -hmm. So I have learned, I am. I, I realized I'm an introvert. I, um, I know a lot of people, but I am very content by myself. Um, but going to Sip and Saber, um, having people in the community hire me, have, have, uh, uh, afforded me really good relationships. Specifically one woman, I don't, I don't know if you know, her name is Elle. I remember when I was, it was like four o'clock in the morning and the whole, when all the protests was happening around George Floyd. And I wanted to go out there with my camera and it's going to sound real selfish, but I'm like, I don't want to go out there if something happens to my camera. Like literally, I'm like, this is my my bread and butter. I, like even with uh, Trayvon, with not Trayvon Martin, who was the, the gentleman who got shot uh, 17 times. Um, I know. Uh, Freddie Gray. Oh, okay. 16 shots. Yes. In Chicago. I, I wanted to go out and take photos, but I was, I was scared to. And so at four o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting on the couch. Like, I know I need to go out there, but I'm like, if something happens, happens, if something happens with my camera, I can't make money. L, who I met through the community, who goes to sit for saver all the time. I, I randomly get a text from her. We don't talk on a regular basis. And she's, I get a text. She said, Amber, God told me to tell you, you need to go out there with your camera. This was like at five, like an hour later. And I just simply said, okay. I called Matt Julian. I said, hey, do you want to go out 
you know, this document was going on. I hear there's a protest forming. He says, sure. So we go out there. And it was quite interesting because the protest that was specifically organized, I noticed, I didn't see us. A lot of people that was gathering was from the LGBT community, who was mostly white, uh, from the Hispanic community, white protesters, which was very interesting because if you look at mass media, who's causing the ruckus, you only see black folk. Mm-hmm. Oh my <laughs> God. They broke into the Burberry store. Like, but. Okay. So I noticed that none of the protesters looked like us. And I also noticed a lot of the antagonizers who was literally antagonizing the police, police officers who were just standing there to, to create a barricade. The antagonizers didn't look at like us either. But anyways, as the crowd started forming, I saw a lot of cars started pumping solidarity. And so I, I decided I want to shoot with my camera and I turn around and I see this mother Balling, holding her baby balling. And just in an instant, I just, just really quick. But then I started crying and she looked at me and, you know, they drove by. And so, you notice I started just posting, a fo- I just started posting photos just to tell the story what I saw. And then all of a sudden I saw, I saw one share, then a hundred shares. Then the next day, 250,000 shares. Whoa. And all of a sudden, I started getting emails from Good Morning America, the Today Show, Tamron Hall. And I'm just like, to the point where I couldn't even look at my social media. I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. So it's, it, it actually, um, I didn't feel comfortable. Because hmm. as a photographer, we like to be, there's a reason you see directors, creative directors exactly. behind the scenes. And so I started getting overwhelmed and started getting really emotional. And so a year later, can I be honest? I'm, 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 I'm trying to get back mm. to that Amber that went out there and took that photo. Because like you said, you know, I'm sought out for, and I love taking photos, portraits, family portraits, headshots, branding shots. But my first love is photojournalism. Mm-hmm. because you can't Photoshop the truth. You can't edit the truth. You know, that the truth doesn't need color correction. The truth, whatever comes out my camera is what's supposed to be seen. And I think as I started getting busy, like you said, booked and busy, I kind of got away from that. So I'm so glad you brought that up. A year later, I am going back, finding my way back mm-hmm. to my purpose. Ooh, ooh, there's so much even in that. Just the fact of number one, it was this fleeting moment, you know? Mm-hmm. So it truly in the blink of an eye, something can happen that changes the trajectory of how people perceive you, mm-hmm. um, can put you now on the front line. Cause everyone's looking like, Oh, they want to know more about who is she? Like, how did this photo come to be? You know, you said you were overwhelmed by social media and just the response of it. Um, and I think that's something we don't talk enough about is the fact of like, when we're in the day-to-day of our lives and being that kind of behind the scene person, and then for whatever reason you get thrust into the forefront, like it's not nat- it's not natural to just like go from one day you're talking to your immediate circle or you, you know, you going in there and just getting your regular cup of joe or whatever it is, your daily routine. And then the next day you are catapulted 
to like the top level of like inquiries and questions and, and probing. And that is something that can be jolting, especially because it's like you haven't experienced that before. So I think it's it's definitely something to be said about how it takes a while to get back. And there's nothing wrong with it being a slower process, a quicker process. It's subjective. And mm-hmm. I just take your time. And even if that means I may not be specifically that person again. It's the evolution of who you're becoming, you know, mm-hmm. and taking all those steps and being like, yo, like this is a moment that changed me. I don't know if I'll get back there, but regardless, I'm appreciative of it and I'm continuing forward. But, the, the, you know, you want to hear something. I don't know if you followed the story. So the young one, I found, we found out the young woman and that baby was sleeping in that car. What? They were homeless. I never knew that aspect of the story because that's like you just you saw it from the one perspective of people focusing on what it meant in terms of the movement. So her, her son and her mother were sleeping in that car. So let's go back to community. Let's go back to community. Phil, L, and some of the other people I reached out to found out that we found out that she was homeless. My mentor, Phil, called a friend and got them a hotel at South Loop mm-hmm. Hotel. For a week. Do you know five loaves? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. Five loaves for the whole week brought them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It just reminds you when you get past, and this is the thing that I wish people really truly understood about Chicago. The stuff that gets put out there um, is not the heart of blackness and the heart of, of community because it's like we go hard for ours, you know, and we do mobilize and we do come together. And that's the thing where it's just like these type of stories, we have to keep telling them. We have to serve as these griots for what is the true heart of Chicago and the true heart of specifically Black Chicago. Because if we aren't doing that, the perception will be that it's just okay corral and everyday people getting jacked and good God, it's just cracking the streets and and like, we're scared. We can't go outside our doors. And I'm like, that is not the totality of the city. And it's not even accurate. Like we don't, and you, you've continued to mention this when you were talking about the veterans, you, you were talking about like the, the home compromise population. Like these are people that were failed by the system that are supposed to be supported. If you're a veteran coming back from a war mindset, of course you are out your mind. And it Mm -hmm. is going to take a lot of rehabilitation if you're not so far gone to the point that, you know, you just, you have to kind of cope or you're continuing or you're permanently, I should say, going to have like postpartum depression or, or other issues, I should say, that happen from being in that environment, you do need continued support. So if you keep divesting from the VA hospital, then yes, you're going to have a bunch of people on the street corner look like they're having conversations with themselves when they lost their mind for serving their country. Mm-hmm. And so I think even with this young woman, and don't have to go into the personals of her, of her business or whatever led her, her and her family unit to that point, but to know that in that moment, like, the the branches of what that picture had beyond like the promotion that it gave you to tell a story, but to actually impact somebody's life. That to me is, is really beautiful and shows like 
just the magnitude of when you're going into something pure hearted. So to I you, mean, five blows everybody. Like I salute y'all. I mean, what's the what's the coincidence? Which I don't believe a coincidence. I mean, because at the time I took the photo, I mean, it was thousands of people protesting, screaming, and literally in that moment. Mm-hmm. And to, to the point where then now she went from sleeping in that car to in a hotel room to being fed to now she, you know, I was able to help her create a GoFundMe so they can get a place. Like, that is not a coincidence. Yeah. And and I think that shows like how you're being used and, and on those moments when it's hard to continue to keep going. But speaking of that, because, OK, that's great. We're highlighting like the fact of like, this is what I love to do. And these are some of the moments that have like catapulted my career, or moved me in a certain direction. But let's be real. There are days where, yes, no matter what you're doing and how much you love it, you sitting on the couch being like, I'm not with this shit. I'm tired. I don't feel like it. Or you have to fight to find the passion in it. Like, has there ever been a moment for you where you were just like, I don't know if it was worth me leaving my job, risking my rent money. And how have you gotten back then to finding the love of of photojournalism or capturing these moments? Two moments. I didn't get a chance to say I I, I was blessed to find a mentor. When um, I tell anybody, if you can, are you, if you can try to get, find a mentor, who has done what you're trying to do or who is doing what you're trying to do. When I, when I got into photography, I knew I couldn't go to school. So I started Googling all these photographers. Most of them were white. None of them wanted to take me under their wing except uh, a black man. His name is Daryl Hammond. He taught me everything I knew. Um, and at one point, a couple years in, you know, obviously things are not going to start the way you want. And I didn't, sh- I, I quit. I quit for like six months. And I remember one day he texted me. He said, all right, he calls me Amps. He was like, all right, Amps. All I, I remember, all right, Amps, pick the camera back up. He gave me the space to fill my bills or pity part with whatever. He's like, okay, pick the camera back up. You have to attract and cultivate your tribe. But also, too, with mentorship, it has to be reciprocity. Mm-hmm. This person is giving you free information that you probably, that's way better than going to a school, but you have to give some type of energy back. Um, and then the second time was actually this year. This this summer, I had a, I had a mental break and I, I've been more transparent about it. I was going through healing from heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Also too, I was so booked and busy and so sought out for that my passion really turned into a business that I wasn't enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I have my wish, which I'm still manifesting, I just love to shoot. I just, I just want to shoot, 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 shoot. And whatever comes up my camera is going to be the world. But when you're doing more so portraits and editorials, you, there's, there's pre-production and post-production. You know, I, I got so busy. I had to hire an editor mm-hmm. and I started getting a lot and I love my clients. But I started getting, and, and, and it goes back to conditioning, you know, I started getting more requests like, well, can you make my waist smaller? Can you make my skin like and and the more and more I started getting either those complaints or requests, I was like, this is not why I picked up the camera. This isn't telling the truth anymore. This is me like feeding into someone's like specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I was and 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 I was tired. I was burnt out. I literally was just sitting. I was flying literally from like I was in four different cities and another country within 10 days. And I thought that 
you have a child, like you said. <laughs> who I was neglecting. I can say this. I was neglecting, let alone neglecting myself mm-hmm. because of the whole, I'm a boss bitch. I'm booked and busy. We catching flights, not feelings. Get the bag, girl. Entrepreneur her. Like this whole culture that I didn't, I didn't realize, even though I didn't subscribe to, I was buying into because that's all you see, right? And if you're not doing that, then you're not being successful. Exactly. Because exactly. if you ain't tell nobody, it ain't happy. If you ain't standing there in the Loewe belt in a desert scene or, <laughs> you know, you know, every year somebody got that special trip or if you ain't one of the thousand people that went to Tulum this year, like, I don't know what you did with your 2021. <laughs> Taught that I, I actually was a media director for one of the largest black owned tech incubators. And I and, and I have to say this, I spearheaded a team of 12 men. And 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 I say that is because I wasn't a boss bitch, I wasn't the head bitch in charge, I was operating my femininity, but I was teaching them about emotional intelligence, you know, and, and but I realized I wasn't and, and I taught them about propaganda. So what is propaganda? Propaganda is information pumped into our subconscious over and over and over again till we start believing it, even though it's never been true, proven to be fact. Regarding this whole, especially, I guess, specifically for women, this whole culture of women empowerment, boss babes, you know. Girl CEO. And the power posing and stuff like that, or, or God forbid you tell the truth that you might get canceled. I, re- I didn't realize I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. So I burnt out. I was jet setting. I was, I had clients in Atlanta and then flew to Cancun. Then I was, you know, all over the place. And when I got home, I cried and bawled. And I'm like, I don't want to look at this fucking camera. My work started getting bad. You know, this year was the first year I had to give out refunds. And I think I probably gave back out $6,000 for the refunds because my work, decline my work wasn't at its best I was just taking every gig that came my way and that's the thing like and and not I don't know who like the subject matters were that or everyone who was coming but it's true like all money ain't good money and it doesn't mean in the sense that the people that are giving the money like are scammers or scandalous it's not even necessarily that it's like if it's getting you to a place where you can't even add two plus two you can't see the joy you can't find the passion again, then it ain't good money. Like I couldn't, for me, I knew I was at that point. I had this six figure job. I'm, you know, living in Hyde Park, I'm traveling, I'm doing all this stuff. And I had turned into a complete little butterball. And I'm not saying that in the sense of like, oh, I'm not body positive. Look, at this point, you're going to get these dividends and this poop pot or get the hell up out my face. I'm not out here trying to be something for a million people, but I wasn't helped. I was so unhappy and I was ticking off every box of who I was supposed to be in that moment and hated my job. Supposed to be. Couldn't stand the job. Did it? I was eating to cope. And it's just like, you get to this place of being like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. And ironically enough, we both got a Mac story. Cause like he, I was down to like my last 1500. And I had always wanted to tell the story of like Vivian G. Harsh. And I remember, you know, she was like the first black librarian for the city of Chicago. She built the George C. Hall branch to be like one of the most 
um, preeminent spaces to keep like black literature. She was Richard Wright's mentor. Like she was everything. And I remember sitting there, like I took my last 1500. I was like, I right, Matt, I need you to help me just like put together like a little reel for like a, a little quick history show and learning about her. And literally that is what got me hired by my job, a job now that I actually love, you know, cause I'm, I'm telling black stories and I'm, I'm focusing on what it is that ties into my actual core of myself. I'm not trying to like hide myself away from my job, if that makes sense. And I think that's something that's so important. You have to lead with what the fuck you love because no amount of money is going to make up for your soul feeling depleted, for you feeling unhappy, for you feeling like, fuck all of this. So I'm, I'm, yes, it gets to that point where you're just like, fuck this. I'm like, this money, this fame, whatever, is not keeping me warm at night. It's not raising my son or giving my son the emotional and nurturing time he needs. It's definitely, like you said, I was gaining weight. I wasn't feeling my best. And I took some time off this summer. Like I didn't shoot for a couple months and I went and I started living. Like mm. I became a plant mom. I became a cat mom. I started... You know, I started, you know, just going out and enjoying life. I, you know, started going to getting therapy. I started working out. I got a trainer. I got a spiritual advisor. And I realized, holy shit, I have, I have some trauma. Mm-hmm. Healing. Uh, I had to do some self-reflection. A lot of the chaos in my life was self-inflicted. Nobody wants to talk about that. Sometimes it's you. <laughs> it's not. You know what's yeah. that IG be ready to be like? Is it me? Am I the drama? Like, yeah, yeah. you are. It's you. <laughs> and now um it's it's funny because you know I'm, I'm back to shooting, but you know, I don't I don't know if you know I don't really market photography as much anymore because photography is what I do, it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I I have let go of a lot of I realize a lot of relationships in my life were solely transactional. A lot of people position themselves close to me because of who I am, what I do, what I get or what they thought. Um, and so a lot of relationships just fizzled away. Um, that feel good, though. After you get out of the pain of the moment, mm-hmm. me and my little four friends are just so happy. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't have the time or the space to be around nobody that wants to be around me for what it is that exactly. I offer. Mm-hmm. And when they feel I don't offer that, now my value is less. And and I find I had just put this as a LinkedIn post, but it's really how I be feeling. Don't ask me what I do. Yeah, that's don't ask. Don't ask me what I do. Ask me what I'm passionate about, or ask me what drives me. You ask me what I do. Hell, some days I just be making up shit. I'm a scammer. I be on <laughs> like I'll just say some crazy shit too. Don't ask me about my profession because I'm like. As much as I love my job, that should not define you. At all, at all. And, but I noticed now that my quality of life has skyrocketed. The relationships, um, my tribe is, is, is way, is, is feeding, is, is, is feeding each other. The quality of men I'm dating, because I am single, but the quality of men that are uh, asking me out in the type of dates and time I spend are completely better. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no problem of saying who I am, where I'm at and what I am, you know, 
manifesting. But it took me to sit the hell, sit the fuck down and realize I, I literally hid behind photography because mm-hmm. it, because hiding behind photography, I didn't have to look at Amber. I didn't have to look at the woman who had codependency issues, rejection issues, abandonment issues, savior complex. And once I put the camera down and had to look at Amber in the face, I'm like, all right, I got work to do. I, girl. Woo, okay. <laughs> I can't wait to come back to Chicago. We gonna go get some drinks. But <laughs> I completely understand that from the perspective of Black women, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it's like, we always got to be every fucking thing to every fucking body. And I'm at the point now where I'm just like, I know I don't have to be that, but it is still a fight at times for me to remember. I don't have to be that. The shortest sentence in the human language is no. No. You don't have to qualify it. You ain't got to add any because, or maybe I can't, if I fucking said no, that's what I mean. And it's between you and your God to work out what that means for you. But I'm saying no, and you don't have to do it. It doesn't mean that you hate the person or you're being vindictive, but you've got to save some space for you. And you, you were hiding behind the camera. A lot of times, like your a brand is a protection because you can't like, you know, when to turn it on, you know, to do, you know, like, you know what people are expecting when they see you in this light, literally. So it's just like to be able to put that down and be like, what do I need to do so that if I ever pick this camera back up again, so if that I ever pick this brand up back again, I know how to set my boundaries and protect myself and do the work. Now I sound like a yalla, but it's true. Like you have to act boundaries in every aspect of my life, mm-hmm. every aspect of my life. And once I started, and, and it's not like after school special, but when you, when, when we say love yourself, I realized I, 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 in, um, I start, I needed to love myself. Like I love my son. So think about, you know, for p- people who have children or pets or something or someone, they really covet. And they, so as a mother, right, I am a lioness when it comes to my child. I will not let nobody talk to my son a certain way. I will not, I make sure, I, you know, he doesn't harm himself. I make sure he loves on himself. Did you take a shower, do your hair? But I wasn't loving myself that way. I was, you know, allowing men to treat me a certain way. I was allowing women, female friends to, to, to treat me a certain way. And I'm like, why am I loving my son to the epitome of just unconditional love? And I'm not doing that for myself. Why, why do we do that? And then when I started loving myself more, forgiving myself easily, giving myself grace, it literally is so easy now for every part of my relationship to treat people the same way. I'm quick to forgive people, but I'm quick to also set boundaries. Because I would set, I set boundaries. I don't, I would not let nobody come in my son sideways anymore. So I'm treating myself the same way. Yeah, you hurt me and I forgive you. I have compassion, but this is where the line is now drawn in the sand. Tupac said it best. I want to see you eat. You just can't eat at my table. (laughs) I love you and you still going to stay where you at. Mm -hmm. Because. Because think about it. Also, at the same time, it's unfair if you doing the work, but you around a bunch of unhealed people. 
So it's like, I'm supposed to beta block everybody's bullshit? No. Like, you know what? And not to get deep, but I, I, you know, I'm a voracious reader. You know, I read a lot, like 40 Laws of Power, Law of Attraction. I read The Secret, The Alchemist. We have to be mindful of our law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Well, like, for, for example, I realized I, all my exes were emotionally unavailable, but because I, inten- I intentionally chose emotionally unavailable men because of issues I had with my dad. So now that I have, you know, healed from that, had the conversation with my dad and now know what it is, emotionally unavailable men are no longer my law of attraction. And so you see how it all goes back to us and self-accountability of what is not healed, you know? Um, And because of that now, when I do have like consultations with clients, it's like sister to sister or human being, human being. And I don't book every client. I have boundaries now. I know it's not going to be a good fit Mm -hmm. together. I don't, I, I, you know, I refer them to another photographer. But it's, but it's rare, though, because I realize I have set the tone, what type of person I am, what type of work I do, how I conduct it, and what's the expectations from them. But that I, I had to put the camera down and look at myself. Amber, you ain't no damn victim. <laughs> and, and also, you don't have to save everybody. Like, it's Ooh. impossible to save everybody if you can't save your damn self. Like, so I think that's, that's really a beautiful lesson to see like how you've been setting those boundaries and taking that space so that you can get back to what it is that you love. Um, now everybody know I'm Chicago as they come. You are as well. I'm, I'm not there. I'm, I, I don't know how I've been gone this long and like still kept my sanity, but we're here now, but (laughs) still to see the continue. And I can't, it a lot now when people find out I'm from Chicago they're like, oh I'm like I said Chicago not you know 1942 Germany like what the fuck like what is wrong with y'all um how have you been able to use your passion your artwork as being a digital st- storyteller to combat the negative portrayal of the city, but also that of blackness. Cause you know, I went on to your site and I know, especially like photographer sites are constantly in a state of evolution because you're constantly putting work up. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I loved was the four, like just to see all the smiling faces, like, and the beautiful black little boys and girls. So I was like, oh, my babies, you know? So how, how do you use your artwork as a way to be like a middle finger basically to anybody who's like, mm, well, you know, black people are black Chicago just can't get it together. You know, I forgot who said this. So don't give me, give me a line, but I am the master of my own destiny. I captain of my soul. Wait, hold up. I know. Hold on. It's the, Oh, captain, my captain. It's yeah. Okay. Go. So I have learned we literally have the power to create the type of life we want. And in my mind, in Amber World, ain't nothing but happy Black people. Ain't nothing but happy Black people coming. In Amber World, if you come to Amber World, you are going to see happy people, thriving people, abundant people. My, my spiritual advisor told me something. She drills in it to me sometimes, especially when I get down. Don't look at what you don't want. Ooh, okay. Don't look at what you don't want. What's the saying? Where attention goes, energy flows. Mm-hmm. 
So in Amber World, we are all happy. We're all abundant. We're all safe. We're all uh, financially free. We're all love, light, rainbows, milk, and honey. And 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 that's just but that's just and I keep saying Amber World, but that's all I want to see. That's all I want to feel. That's on Mary had a little lamb because at the, <laughs> like, that's it. Point, but that's it. Like there, there's no, and I love that though, because black joy is a form of black revolution mm-hmm. because yes, we know that our existence is hard because of systematic oppression and racism, but yes, it's our choice to be like, is that what's going to be highlighted? Is that what's going to be shown? And I love the fact that you're choosing to be intentional about the space that you want to operate in is to show that aspect of our experience and understanding, no, it's not the totality of our experience, but that is what I want to highlight. And, 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 and that's pretty, pretty much. And I think that's also just the essence of who I am. For the most part, I, I realize I am a bubbly person. I tell people to describe my personality. Remember, you know, Freddie from a different world. Freddie Brooks. <laughs> Like, if you look at my office, you know, the plants, my crystals are over there. I'm a tree hugger. You know, my incense is burning over there. Like, <laughs> and here come my Whitley Gilbert ass, like wearing jeans with a fur coat, walking out like, hey. <laughs> but there's beauty in owning who you are at that moment because we're all evolving. And so I am, I am, you know, I'm 38. Listen, I'm 38. I have, I have learned that I hate to say perfectly imperfect because we're, we're we're perfect. We're we're perfect now because when we change, we're going to be perfect tomorrow, and then we're going to be perfect when we change three months from now. We're p- perfect in this moment, and that's just you know, yellow is my favorite color. It's a happy color. <laughs> it's a happy color. And I am no longer, for this is for me, and I'm not knocking our Black community, but I am so tired of seeing, and a lot of us still selling the struggle. I'm tired. I, I, I You know, all my life I, I had to fight. We're going to make it to the mountaintop one day. You know. I, run, Harold, run. Yes. 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 And this is just me personally. That's why you see happy people. Um, I am starting to shoot. I'm starting to get more clients that are are not black. Um, And I I am learning too. We have a human problem. We do. Because depression and mental illness and sickness is is it does is not based on the race on what race we are no but also guess what joy wealth happiness is also not based on what race we are racism is a tactic it's not and and it is a mental sickness it is a taught mental sickness passed down it's effective as all hell don't get me wrong but it is taught passed down and I think you are expanding and serving as that connector, as that joiner to show um, those commonalities. Like it's, it's just as simple or as sim- not simple, but it's similar 
to remember what Tanika was doing, where she was just like, it's the same address. Mm-hmm. But it, it shows like the world's apart, but it also shows like our similarities and are we willing to work together? So I think you leveraging this and expanding is beautiful to show those connections. Cause at the same time, like, yes, you are super solid after you're not the black photographer. Thank you for saying that because that's the box I am jumping out of. Right. Um, And, but the reason being though, but I also respect that everybody has an assignment. The way I look at it is if you think about a village, right. You have the welder, you have the baker, you have the locksmith, you have the town spiritual advisor, you have, everybody has a role to play. So guess what though? Especially the millennials and the Gen X, they are on the front line protesting, mm-hmm. right? Where I may be just the photographer capturing the story while you are reporting the story, right? You know, then we have some we have some people in office who are creating policies to make sure the story don't happen again. Mm-hmm. So no role is better than the other. So my role is just to tell the story through my camera. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not knocking those who, who believe protesting and disrupting people's convenience is beneath me or different or better. I just know my role and I'm, I am happy and okay to be in my role. Right. Look, Mufasa said it best. We are all connected in the circle of life. <laughs> Come on, Paul Mike. Okay, you can choose not to accept it, but that is the truth of the matter. Um, I have thoroughly like enjoyed having this conversation with you. Like it has set my my day up so well. I'm so excited to like take it on. I I do want to end on asking you this: like when it is all said and done, like specifically, what is Amber's superpower, not how you have have previously felt defined, um, not knowing where you're going, you're headed, or just being on that journey. When it's all said and done, what is it that you stand for and that you want people to remember you for? I realize, and I, I'm called this by a couple of people. I'm called the community healer. I my superpower is healing, um, healing. I don't know. I, I realized uh, last year I am an empath. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm really good at photography and knowing how to capture the moment because I can just look in somebody's eyes and feel them. And I just happen to know what to say to them or how to maybe touch their shoulder or just kind of give them the look to let them know they're not alone. I got you or what do you need? And so that is, 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 is healing. Super uh, healing, uh, healing, healing people, healing the community is my superpower, and I, I and I believe it has absolutely nothing to do with the camera. Woo, girl, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. We're done. Like, um, this has been yes, I do. I made the right decision. I'm like, so she's gonna be the first interview. Well, um, platform, you asked a question, but can I ask you a question? Oh, yes, go for it. (laughs) What is your superpower? My superpower, honestly, is to remind people of their worth and to remind people of their power. Robin Williams, one of my, I truly believe he says something. It's one of my favorite quotes ever, but he was like, if you have ever truly felt worthless, he was like, you never want somebody else to feel that way. And so for me, 
if I can help, and it's not even about inspiration or being like, I'm a life coach. I don't feel that way at all. Cause I'm very honest about half the time I'm over here just try to fake it till I make it and just convince myself like, no, you're good. You're fine. You're, you're okay. <laughs> like, but if I can use that honest insight of the, the good of me, the, the, the bad, um, to help someone realize like, yo, you can overcome this shit and your voice matters and can't nobody make you feel less than, then that is really what makes me super, super settle with myself and happy because I also understand like that's something I have to fight for day in and day out to remind myself of that because that's the thing once you experience trauma you can unlearn it but that's a continuous process it's not like I got a a diploma that says this is the day I was permanently uh freed from this and it's never gonna affect me again it still is like you have to work at that happiness and finding it But no, let me go ahead and let you go, sis. This has been phenomenal. Um, I'm just going to say I'm proud of you. I'm really excited for you. I'm going to be lighting a fire up under your ass, looking for every time you post a series and an episode, because we ain't quitting no more. So, So I'm excited to see season three. I'm excited to see the guests you're going to have on. And this is just the beginning for you. Thank you, love, so, 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 so much. Hey, everybody. So as I'm wrapping up this week's episode, I really just wanted the word to be expect miracles, demand miracles, know that that is something that your life is worthy of and that as long as you are moving in harmony with your destiny and everything that you think should be for your life, it's going to happen. Look, we have been through everything. We we in year 95 of this damn pandemic, continued political unrest, continued economic crisis. Mother Nature is literally like getting ready to sock and bopper us just completely out the solar system. There's enough going on. So with that being said, I really just want us to take a moment And know that if we are still here, if we are still standing, what a blessing that is and an opportunity to know that we don't have to live in scarcity. We don't have to live in want. We are living in abundance. And to move forward with that, there's so many things that we cannot control in the world. There's so many things that we cannot control with other people. But what we can control is the fact that whether we rely on the universe, whether we rely on, you know, an actual deity. Whatever your faith source is, know that miracles are supposed to be happening in your life because you are walking in harmony with your destiny. Keeping it short and sweet. Hope everyone has an amazing week. And I will see you all for the next episode of Joy Has Questions.